Good morning, friends. Today's message is, Are You a Fool? When I was pastor at First Lutheran Church in Texarkana, Texas, one of my duties was to come up with messages for our signboard. Now, some of them were funny, others were serious, some I just put up to pique people's curiosity or just to make an announcement of a coming event. As a result, I've done a little bit of research on um, signboard messages, and I'm kind of drawn to the catchy ones that you see every once in a while. For example, like, love your enemies, it messes with their heads. But i got to tell you, the most curious sign I've ever seen on a church board consisted of just three words, Oh, foolish Galatians. Now, I thought about that again this past Tuesday because I'm teaching Galatians 3, a local men's Bible study in Branson, Missouri. The phrase, O foolish Galatians, is found in the very first verse of chapter 3 of the book of Galatians. And though we'll never know why that pastor put O foolish Galatians on his church sign, maybe after today's message you're going to know why Paul said it. So if you got a Bible handy, grab it, and let's turn to Galatians chapter 3, the first three verses. They read as follows. O foolish Galatians, what magician has cast an evil spell on you? For you used to see the meaning of Jesus Christ's death as clearly as though I had shown you as a, a signboard with a picture of Jesus dying on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law? Of course not. For the Holy Spirit came upon you only after you believed the message you heard about Jesus. Have you lost your senses? After starting your Christian lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? So there you go. Paul called the Galatians foolish because they had been given this wonderful gift of life by the grace of God. And instead of continuing to live in his grace... They tried to move forward in the Christian life through their own human effort. It was like they were saying, eh, thanks for the jump start, God. I think I can handle it from here. The question is, why do we do this? It's pride. It's ego. We like to think that we had something to do with our salvation. We like to think that we have earned what we received from God. But friends, Paul makes it abundantly clear, you're going to never earn God's blessings. You can only receive them by faith. I mean, faith is the key. Faith opens the window to God's blessings in your life. Now, today, as we look at Galatians 3, I want us to see three things that God will do in your life when you put your faith in him. First of all, faith makes you right with God. Again, verse 24 in Galatians says, The law was our guardian and teacher to lead us until Jesus came. So now, through faith in Jesus, we are made right with God. Now, you ought to ask yourself a question. What does Paul mean when he says the law was our guardian and teacher? Well, other translations say that the law was our tutor. Uh, actually, the Greek word is paedagogos. In a Greek home, the care of uh, young children was often delegated to an established and trusted slave. He was a, a custodian of sort, seeing to it that the kids developed certain social skills and manner and uh, good character. He took them to school. He wasn't a tutor in the academic sense. He wasn't their teacher. He was much more of a caretaker. And the word that Paul uses to describe this kind of caretaker, paedagogos, is the same word Paul used to describe the law. The law is a custodian. It teaches us right and wrong. It shows us 
what should be the proper boundaries. But the law itself cannot save us. And it is through the law, this custodian, this caretaker, that we become aware of our inability to save ourselves. Let me ask you this question. Do you want to know how to be absolutely overcome with despair in a truly short period of time? Now, some of you say, I don't need to know that. Well, I'm going to tell you how to do it anyway. Just try to live perfectly according to the law. Try to do everything that you know you should do without messing up even once. And you just see how long that lasts. You know, if we all started right now, a good portion of us would not make it through this sermon just trying to figure out how to live perfectly. I mean, some of us might last until after lunch, but it would be difficult to get through the rest of the day. And we're not even thinking yet about, you know, our thoughts, which go all over the place. I mean, think about it. How long can you go without thinking? I mean, not, not even for a second. I mean, one thought that you should not think or one vindictive or one selfish thought or one jealous thought or one lustful thought or one self-righteous thought. I mean, how long can you go? Now, as I said, such an attempt will bring on despair faster than you can imagine because it causes you to suddenly realize, I cannot control my thoughts. I can't control my my actions. Uh, I know what's right, but I can't always force myself to do it. I know it's wrong, but I keep end up doing it anyway. I mean, Paul said about the same thing in Romans 7. Uh, this is parts of verses 15, 18, and 19 of that chapter. Uh, Paul says, listen, I, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I mean, no matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I do not. And when I try not to do wrong, I do it anyway. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever felt that way? I mean, this is what the law does to us. It draws a line between right and wrong, and more often than we would like, we find ourselves, you guess it, on the wrong side of the line. In Galatians 3.18, Paul says, that is why the law was given, to show us how guilty we are. I remember in 5th and 6th grade back at St. John's in Stewart, Nebraska, Mr. Schmini wrote a large letters SOS on the blackboard one morning. Yes, some of us know what a blackboard is. And then he had an equal sign going on both sides of that word. And on the left-hand side, SOS stood for shows our sins. But on the other side, it said it also should lead to show our Savior. Yes, if the law could have given us new life, we could have been made right with God just simply by obeying it. But here's the problem. We, We don't obey it. We can't obey it. The more we try, the more we fail. I mean, the next verse tells us why. It says, but the scriptures have declared that we are all prisoners of sin. So the only way to receive God's promise is to believe in uh, Jesus Christ. So if you want to be right with God, if you want to stay right with God, there's only one way, and that's to put your faith in him. I mean, don't put your faith in yourself or how well you keep the law, because you're never going to be good enough to earn a passing grade. See, before we came to Jesus, the law was kind of like this guardian or a tutor, uh, a bodyguard, if you will. It set boundaries of what's right and what's wrong. But now that we have faith in Jesus, Paul says in verse 25, now that faith in Christ has come, we don't need the law anymore as our guardian. He's saying that our focus is no longer directed toward the do's and the don'ts of the law. Our focus is now directed toward our faith in Jesus and our personal relationship with him. The law only proves that we're sinners, but when we put our faith in Jesus, he removes our guilt. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He makes us right with God. So Paul is saying to these fooly Galatians, 
and yes, he may be speaking to one or two of us, myself included, stop trying to earn your righteousness. You began the Christian life by placing your faith in Jesus. The only way to continue to grow in the, in the Christian life is through faith in Jesus. He would say the same to all of us today. So friends, do you want a fulfilling, empowering relationship with God? Then stop trying to earn it. Instead, put all your eggs in one basket, and that's faith in Jesus, the Messiah. I mean, just say, God, I want to be right with you. You know that I can't keep the law well enough to earn my salvation. You know I'm a sinner. All I can do is put my faith and trust in you to forgive my sins. See, that's how you begin the Christian life, and it's how you continue the Christian life. It takes faith. It's faith that opens the windows to God's blessings in your life. It it makes you right with him. Now, here's the second thing. Faith puts you in touch with God's power. Verse 5, he says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law of Moses? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Jesus. Now, notice how casually this verse mentions the miracles that were at work in their lives. And Paul accepted the presence of miracles as common experience in the Christian life. Apparently, they were very common in Galatia. Now, do you know what I think? I think God wants miracles to be a common part of our experience as well. Now, I'm not some sort of a flashy showman, and I'm not talking about snake handling or goofy stuff like that. I'm just talking about the supernatural intervention of God's power in our lives. And I truly believe we can expect it to happen on a consistent basis. But as Paul tells us in verse 5, miracles are not handed out according to how well we keep the law. Miracles are given in response to our faith. God's willing to work miracles if we're willing to put our faith in him. Now, over the years, I've seen a number of miracles more than I can count. Because anytime God intervenes, it's a miracle. I mean, there are people who will tell you that the age of miracles is past, but <laughs> that God no longer does this kind of thing. And when I hear that, I would say, are you saying that the age of, the age of answered prayer is past? Are you saying that God no longer answers prayer? Because answered prayer, friends, is a miracle. I mean, if God has stopped performing miracles, he stopped answering prayers. And I don't think anybody who's listening today would believe that. You can experience God's miraculous power on a consistent basis. And, and here, let me just give you a little two-part course in miracles. Uh, one, expect to see miracles mostly in other people's lives. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot look for God to work miracles in your own life, but I am saying that a lot of your prayers for God's miraculous intervention ought to be for the benefit of someone else. See, if the only person you're praying for is yourself, then you are kind of missing the point. I mean, too often we come to God with our laundry list, and then when or if we mention other people, we kind of skim over their names and please bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so and bless so-and-so. I mean, nearly every person you know needs a miracle. I need a miracle. You need a miracle. We need to find out from those closest to us in which area in their lives they need to experience God's intervention and pray specifically for them. Now, do you know what I've learned about praying for other people? I'm not hindered by the same obstacles as when I pray for myself. You see, when I pray for myself, sometimes I struggle with a little bit of doubt. But, you know, when I pray for other people, it's hardly ever a problem. It's easy to ask in faith for someone else. Sometimes a little easier than asking for myself. Now, I'm not saying don't pray for yourself. I didn't say that. You should pray for yourself, but pray for others, too. Pray for them often. Pray in faith, asking God to intervene in their lives with power. And the other thing I would tell you about miracles is look for opportunities to be the miracle in someone's life. Let me give you an example. 
I remember a single mom in a former church who had some pretty major car troubles, and she basically couldn't afford the repairs. And it's a pretty major crisis. She had some kids to get to school, and she had, uh, I think, another one in daycare, and she had to get to work, and she didn't have any way to get there. Well, when a family in our church heard about it, they said, you know, we've got three cars. I mean, why why not use one of these for the next few months while you save up for the new one? Kind of reminds me when I was in my first teaching position, I was in a car accident. And one of the other families said, we have an extra car. You can use it for a while. So believe it or not, I drove around an Edsel station wagon. Some of you have no idea what kind of car that is, but it was an Edsel station wagon with push-button drive in the middle of the steering wheel. Well, anytime a family loans like that, it's a minor inconvenience. But because they had a house full of teenagers, uh, you know, they were able to work a major miracle in a single mom's life. So one of the miracles God often works among us is that he enables us to be generous and compassionate so that we can bless other people. I mean, recently I've asked God to help me not be a reservoir, but instead to be a funnel. You know, loaning a car for six months was a step of faith for this family because they knew they would need to adjust their lifestyle. But their step of faith created a miracle in the life of this single mom. See, God says God works. Paul says God works miracles among you because you believe the message you heard about Jesus. So we need to see that happen for ourselves. We need to believe in Jesus to work miracles among us, too. So we just put our faith in him. Just step back and see what he'll do. See, faith is the key. It's it's like the key that unlocks the window to God's blessings. It puts you in touch with God's power. Well, let's get back now to what God will do in your life when you put your faith in him. And this brings us up to our third point. Faith gives you access to your true inheritance. Verse 8, what more, what's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would accept the Gentiles too. On the basis of what? Good works? No, their faith. God promised this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, All nations will be blessed through you. And in verse 9, so it is, is that all who put their faith in Jesus share the same blessing Abraham received, not because of something he did, but because of his faith. I mean, verse 29 says, Now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and now all the promises God gave to him belong to you. So Paul is saying God gave a promise to Abraham. Abraham believed the promise, and because of his belief, God declared him righteous. And this happened 430 years or so before God gave the law to Moses. Paul is saying that righteousness, based on faith, is an ancient biblical concept. Older even the idea of righteousness than through obeying the law. He is saying that if we have the same faith-based righteousness, then we are like children of Abraham and we share the same blessing that was given to Abraham. And what was his blessing? Well, let me read to you Genesis 12.3. This is what God said to Abraham. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And that promise is repeated in Genesis 18.7. This is God speaking again. For Abraham will become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Now, according to Paul, through Jesus, we are heirs to that same promise. I mean, what's our inheritance? Well, it's to be a blessing to other people. God promised to bless Abraham and his descendants so that they will be a blessing to other people. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. That's exactly what the scripture says. And this is what God wants to do through you and through me. He wants to bless you so that you can bless other people. 
So this is our heritage. This is our inheritance. When we place our faith in Jesus, we receive God's blessings, and we in turn can bless other people. So I'd like for you to ask yourself two questions. Question number one, how has God blessed you? I ask myself that question. How has God blessed me? Second question, how can I use this blessing to bless others? I mean, has God blessed you with financial abundance? I mean, how can you use it to bless other people? Has God blessed you with a certain talent or a certain skill? How can you use that to bless other people? Has God blessed you by putting you in the right place at the right time? So how can you use it to bless others? You see, friends, whatever blessing God has placed in your life, you can be sure that it has been given to you so that you can be a blessing to other people. This is our inheritance, and through faith we're able to activate it. Faith is the key. Faith opens the window to God's blessings in our life. In Galatians 3, Paul tells us that the life of faith is the only life to live. You see, through faith we are made right with God, and our sins are forgiven. Through faith, we are in touch with God's power and he works miracles among us. Through faith, we receive our inheritance of blessings so that we might bless other people. I mean, these things are available through faith and only through faith. If you try to earn them, if you think that you will eventually arrive at the place where you deserve these things, you're never going to receive them. Peace with God will always be out of reach because you cannot earn God's favor. Answered prayer will always be beyond the realm of possibility because you don't deserve God's miraculous intervention in your life. Your inheritance of blessings will never be experienced because you will never be good enough to receive it. That's why Paul said, Oh, foolish Galatians. Because they tried to do something that, well, let's admit it, we tried to do as well. And it's something that can never be done. I mean, they tried to earn that which God gives only by faith. Friends, rely on yourself and your own righteousness, and you'll receive nothing. Put your faith in Jesus, the Messiah, and receive everything he has to give. It is foolish to live any life other than the life of faith. Faith is the key. Faith opens the windows to God's blessings. Let's not be foolish Galatians. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion. God bless.